Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today, Holy Mother Church celebrates Palm Sunday, and in doing so, we read the Passion of Jesus Christ. Each year, we read a different Passion account. This year, we read from Mark. Next year, it will be from Luke. Now, when we read the Passion, there's always that hidden danger, what I would refer to as that principle of familiarity. We say to ourselves, oh gosh, I've heard this story so many times, and we gloss over gloss over a story that is so rich in symbolism. Well, what I want to do is in the next few minutes, you know, look at some of the aspects, point out and highlight some of the great symbolisms that make this story, in fact, probably the greatest story in world history. Now, notice how it begins. Mark tells us of this woman coming in as Jesus and the apostles are celebrating the Last Supper. She comes in and she breaks an alabaster jar of oil and she pours it over Jesus. Now, we don't know this woman's name. Mark doesn't tell us. But if you go into John's gospel, John reveals the identity of who this person is. It's Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. She breaks open the jar and in doing so, she pours all the content of the oil upon Jesus. Now, when I anoint somebody, I just anoint just a little bit of oil on a person's forehead as well as the palms of their hand. And yet, she deliberately breaks open the entire jar and pours all the oil onto Jesus. She holds nothing back. It's an overwhelming gesture. Notice, too, she pours it over Jesus' head. Now, this references a great Old Testament symbolism in which, in the Old Testament, When God appointed a priest, a prophet, or a king, he always anointed that person in that way, such that this was God's chosen one. Give you a great example of it. The story of David. When God anoints David as the new king, Samuel searches him out as the prophet. And when he finds David, he does exactly what this woman does. Samuel breaks open a jar full of oil and he pours it over David's head as a symbol that David has now been the chosen one, the anointed, to be king. And David stands there drenched in oil. Well, this woman now anoints Jesus as king. When will Jesus claim his throne? When he mounts the cross. When Jesus mounts the cross, the whole world will see that he truly is a king, that he will hold nothing back, even his own life. Now, fast forward in the story. Jesus celebrates the Last Supper with his apostles. He does it in Jerusalem. He does it in Jerusalem because, like all good Jews, they celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem because that's where the temple is. And that's where the ritual sacrifices will take place for the Passover meal. Remember, the Passover is a sacred meal, and it's a ritual. 
in which the Jews recognize and remember their liberation from slavery in Egypt. They celebrate it, and it's one of the most powerful celebrations in their entire year. It would be likened to if we took Christmas, Easter, and the 4th of July and rolled it all into one celebration. That's how powerful it was. To give you another indication of the magnitude of the celebration, Jerusalem, during the time of Jesus, on average, the population was around 30,000 people. But during the week of Passover, Jerusalem would swell to 130 to 150,000 people. That's how popular and powerful this celebration is. And so Jesus celebrates the Last Supper, or the very first Mass. He institutes our Eucharist and our Mass. Now remember, the Passover was a sacred meal that remembered Moses leading the Israelites out of slavery of Egypt to the promised land of Israel. Well, every time we gather for Mass, you could say we celebrate the Catholic Passover. Every time we gather for Mass, we remember Jesus Christ leading us out of slavery, the slavery of sin and death, and leading us to the promised land of heaven. Fast forward a bit. Go to the garden. The apostles, they cannot stay awake. They cannot prayerfully stay awake to support Jesus. Now, despite their failure, Jesus is not disappointed, nor is he angry or frustrated by them. Notice what he says. Get up and let us go. He wants the apostles to accompany him, to stay with him all the way to the foot of the cross. This is good news for us. Despite our weakness, despite our sinfulness, Jesus does not give up on us. Instead, each and every day of our life, Jesus prayerfully tells us the same thing. Get up and let us go. He wants us to accompany him throughout our daily life. Next, there's this young man who's clothed with nothing but a linen cloth. And when they try and seize him, they run off naked. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that a very odd detail. Notice also, too, this detail about this young man wearing this white linen is only found in Mark's gospel. It's not found in Matthew or Luke or John's account. Now, why is he wearing just this white linen? Well, we wore that same white linen ourselves during our baptism. It's part of the ritual. Right after our baptism, we put on a white linen gown. And in doing so, we clothe ourselves with Christ. Well, this young man represents all the baptized persons. It's a sign of Christian discipleship. He represents all of us. Now, we have to understand, Christianity is a set of beliefs and values, but it's also a way of life. And throughout the centuries, our way of life, our beliefs and our values as Catholics, has been countercultural from time to time. As Catholics, we have been challenged on what we believe and what we hold true. Notice this man, he runs away and he leaves that linen behind. He runs away and he leaves his Christian identity behind, his Christian values and way of life behind. Begs the question for us, when we are challenged, challenged in our faith, do we stand with Jesus Christ shoulder to shoulder? Do we stand our ground? Or do we run away and leave our Catholic identity behind? One last thing to think about. 
Before Jesus dies, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, don't fall for the trap in which Jesus truly believes that God the Father has forsaken him, abandoned him. No, not at all. The Holy Trinity from the very beginning of time has always remained together and intact and will be for all of eternity. The Father and Son and the Holy Spirit will never abandon each other. So then it begs the question, why does he say that? Well, turn to Psalm 22. Jesus is praying Psalm 22 right before he dies. What's the very first verse of Psalm 22? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's the prayer of the righteous sufferer. Although innocent, the righteous sufferer suffers on behalf of many. And in his distress, he turns to God for deliverance. Well, Jesus is living into and living out that prayer. If you look at Psalm 22, it's a wonderful synopsis or summary of Jesus' passion and death. How the innocent, righteous sufferer suffers and he is mocked. And finally, they cast dice for his garments. Now, what's so amazing about Psalm 22, it was written by King David a thousand years before Jesus was ever born. And yet it was prophesied this is what would happen to the righteous sufferer, to Jesus Christ, in order for us to be saved. Friends, strongly encourage you, as we enter in and begin this Holy Week, the holiest of all weeks and of our liturgical year, may it be a powerful week for you. Open yourself up. Surrender yourself in prayer to God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit as we partake of the liturgies. Now, what's interesting, the liturgies of Holy Week are separate and distinct of themselves. Holy Thursday, we celebrate Jesus in his Last Supper, but we also celebrate, too, Jesus' model of faith on how we are to serve others through the washing of the feet. Also, too, on Holy Thursday, it's the celebration of the birthday of priesthood. When Jesus celebrates his last supper, he initiates, yes, our Eucharist, but he also ordains the apostles. And so Holy Thursday is the birthday of priesthood. Good Friday is separate and distinct from Holy Thursday. Good Friday, we remember Jesus' great sacrifice on the cross. And finally, Holy Saturday, the Easter Vigil or Easter Sunday, we recognize and celebrate Jesus' victory over death through the power of his resurrection. Friends, strongly encourage you, enter into the mysteries of the liturgies of Holy Week through prayer by surrendering yourself to God. And in doing so, allow God to draw you into this most sacred and holy time. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.